Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Friday, January 19th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, Atlanta officials blame protesters for a substantial increase in cost for the city's controversial public safety training center. The family of a man who died after being tased by Atlanta police is suing the city, and Georgia decides to opt out of a federal summer meals program for kids. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. The cost to build the controversial public safety training center in southeast Atlanta is growing. The new estimated cost is $110 million. That's up by $20 million. City officials this week blamed the increase in part on the longstanding and at times violent protests against it. Atlanta Deputy Chief Operating Officer LaShondra Burke says taxpayers would not be on the hook for new security, insurance, legal, and construction costs. She said that money was already set aside for contingencies, and private donors to the nonprofit Atlanta Police Foundation would pay the costs. The foundation is leading the construction of the project. The city has also accumulated more than $1.2 million in outside legal fees to defend itself against multiple environmental lawsuits against the project, as well as a referendum campaign that officials are trying to quash. A federal judge on Tuesday ruled against one environmental group's attempt to stop its construction. Supporters of the training center, including Democratic Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens, say it's needed to train and recruit police officers. Opponents worry about environmental damage and the perpetuation of harmful police practices. Yesterday marked one year since a protester was killed at the site. A former student at Southeast Georgia's Wayne County High School has filed a federal lawsuit against the school district. GPB's Benjamin Payne reports she's alleging sex discrimination. The unnamed former student says she was sexually assaulted by a JROTC instructor on school grounds in 2021 and that the Wayne County school system mishandled the incident. According to the lawsuit, a school administrator and a Jessup police detective searched and damaged the girl's car in retaliation for reporting the assault. She alleges the school district also failed to intervene when students bullied the plaintiff about the incident. And she says a different JROTC instructor later told students, quote, Women get raped more often than men because they do not wear enough clothes, unquote. The plaintiff argues her civil rights were violated. She's seeking damages and a jury trial in federal court. The Wayne County School System did not respond to GPB's request for comment. Harold Hill, the JROTC instructor accused of sexual assault, is also named as a defendant. In a separate state case, he's facing criminal charges related to the incident. For GPB News, I'm Benjamin Payne. The family of a 62-year-old church deacon who died after being tased by an Atlanta police officer following a minor car crash has sued the city, the officer, and the police chief. GPB's Sarah Callis has the latest. Lawyers for Deacon Johnny Holloman's family presented the federal lawsuit in an emotional press conference. The lawsuit alleges excessive use of force, wrongful death, First Amendment rights violations, and several other complaints. Mawali Davis, one of the family's lawyers, says the city and police chief are included in the lawsuit because they have contributed to a culture that led to Holloman's death. While they did not stand over the top of Deacon Holloman as he took his last breath, they were there because they created the culture 
that allowed this officer to believe that his conduct would go unpunished. Davis said it could take years for the lawsuit to be resolved. The officer that tased Holloman was fired from the police force last year. For GPB News, I'm Sarah Callis in Atlanta. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. Savannah's National Historic Landmark District is no longer listed as threatened. In 2018, the National Park Service jolted city leaders when it listed the district as threatened by inappropriate development and other factors. The agency now says it's reevaluating how it assesses the conditions of historic districts nationwide. That means all federally recognized historic districts, including Savannah's, are uncategorized during the reevaluation. Sue Adler of the Historic Savannah Foundation says the 2018 listing was a wake-up call. Different people in different sectors of our community will see it differently, right? I think our downtown residents, and I understand, they feel that we have too many visitors. There's too much tourism going on. They're living down here. I understand it. So really the challenge for all of us is how to make this historic landmark district livable at the same time as it's enticing for visitors. Visitors obviously bring a lot of economic boost to our community. So it's it's a real dual-edged sword, but I think what I'm hearing and pleased about is I think people are talking about it more. I know I'm always in conversation with community people and with the city, and I think just it's really on the top of everyone's mind. Adler says Savannah has done a lot since 2018 to address Park Service concerns, including passing an ordinance to protect archaeological sites. In 2022, 9.7 million visitors stayed overnight in Savannah, creating more than $4 billion in spending. The increase in visitors has prompted local officials to address a number of quality of life issues. Atlanta officials selected a contractor yesterday for what they describe as their most ambitious affordable housing project ever. A joint venture involving four companies will redevelop a 44-story former state government office building in the heart of downtown into a mixed-use space with retail, office, and residential components. The project comes as cities nationwide cope with dwindling office work post-pandemic and as Atlanta works to attract more residents downtown. Georgia public health agencies won't participate in a new national summer feeding program to provide extra money to eligible families during the months their kids aren't in school. GPB's Sophie Gratis has more. Many families with kids enrolled in SNAP, or free or low-cost lunch programs, may remember receiving extra grocery benefits last summer under the pandemic EBT program. About 925,000 schoolchildren got benefits in Georgia. This year, the federal government made a summer EBT program permanent. Participating states will send eligible families $40 per child per month. Georgia is not one of them. State leaders have pointed to existing programs, like the Seamless Summer Program, which fed lunch to almost 3 million kids last year, as an alternative to summer EBT. But advocacy groups like Voices for Georgia's Children say they're, quote, disappointed because summer meal programs outside of the home may not be as accessible as benefits in families' pockets. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Gratis. 
A New Jersey-based company is being fined $50,000 for mishandling hazardous waste at a warehouse in Valdosta. The U.S. Justice Department said yesterday the company, Care Environmental, also will have to pay $135,000 for restitution and remediation. The agency says the company hurt the environment and put residents at risk of accidental release or explosion when it failed to properly dispose of dangerous chemicals. The warehouse was shut down in 2019. The Atlanta Opera will present a staging of Puccini's La Boheme, updated to the COVID-19 pandemic as part of its 45th anniversary season. The company announced its new season today, saying its La Boheme will run in tandem with Jonathan Larson's Rent. Both works will be presented on the same set. In La Boheme, COVID-19 will take the place of tuberculosis, and Rent is set during the 1990s AIDS crisis. The opera also says it's increased its budget next season by $1 million to $15 million. And for the second time this week, Georgia is getting a blast of dangerously cold temperatures and wind chills. Forecast lows tonight range from 11 degrees in Blairsville in the North Carolina mountains to 30 degrees in Savannah on the coast. Forecast wind chill values range from 0 degrees in North Georgia to 20 degrees on the coast. Just a reminder to bring in pets and plants, keep your pipes warm, and if you go outside, make sure to bundle up. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit our website, gpb.org news. And remember to subscribe to this podcast. We will be back in your podcast feed on Monday. And as always, if you've got feedback, send it to us by email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.